Welcome to the Myofascial Health Podcast, hosted by me, Unu. Follow along as I explore the depths of John Barnes' myofascial release approach on my road to mastery. Along the way, I'll be sharing the lessons I learn as I open my myofascial release practice in Austin, Texas, so that you don't have to make the same mistakes I do. Welcome back to the Myofascial Health Podcast. Now, I want to start this podcast a little bit differently. Um, I would invite you, if you are listening to this, obviously, if you're in a safe space, you're not driving or controlling heavy machinery, I would just like to do a quick grounding exercise so that we can be centered for this conversation. So wherever you are, if you're sitting down, I want you to close your eyes, and then I want you to Feel your feet on the ground. Feel the ground beneath your feet. And your hands might be on your thighs, brushing against them lightly. Feel your bottom against the chair. You might notice your shoulders are a little tense. Let your shoulders drop away from your ears. Maybe you notice a light smirk. Notice the sounds around you. Notice your breath, follow your breath, try to take in the energy above spiraling down through you all the way to the ground. Take one deep breath in and one deep breath out. Now I have a very special guest today. He has been a physical therapist and business owner for 30 years now. He has developed the equine myofascial release course. It is my honor to present Mark Barnes. Thank you so much for hopping onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, I want to share a quick story because I've noticed that you have multiple businesses. And those of us that might stumble across this podcast might be in that position where they want to start their own business. And what's interesting is we tried to record this podcast on Tuesday and I had some technical difficulties and we had to reschedule. And when something like that happens, I felt, you know, discouraged, a little bit embarrassed, and there's even some doubt. And what I recognized is, that is normal to have in business because you're trying so many new things, you're not going to have the answers to them. But you are gracious enough to reschedule the podcast. And here we are today. And I just want to thank you again for taking the time out of your schedule to do this, because I know with you having multiple businesses, your time is uh, not as much as it, it, it could be, right? So thank you again. And do you have any thoughts? I noticed that you smirked and smiled when I uh, expressed that. Do you have any thoughts to share around that particular topic? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the human condition. Our sense of joy and fear and happiness and things are good, things are bad is changes throughout every moment, every day. And, you know, being able to kind of harness that in a really positive way uh, is important. And I think it also helps in business. So, you know, since 
you and I started had this conversation and we we're going to do it. You know, lots happened in both of our worlds between last Tuesday and now. And, you know, you just got to <laughs> you just got to keep focused, right? You know, what's important and things will work out. Yeah, it's just life can be difficult and it can be very joyous. And it depends on maybe where our focus is. And even since last Tuesday, I've had to, you know, take myself aside and then become a little more focused on what is important and allowing things uh, to work themselves out. And lo and behold, by today, there was a couple of things that really did work themselves out. So, you know, my dad talks a lot about letting go, right? You know, we have this word, myo, you know, release, myofascial release, and it's really important. A lot of times my dad's voice pings in the back of my head and I hear him kind of talking to me, you know, and when you hold on so tight, so tight, I want this, I want that, it should be this way, it should be that way. You know, sometimes when you let go of that grip, it ends up even better than you thought it was going to be. Um, so anyway, it's been a big week for me <laughs> um, in terms of business. You're right. Um, I do have a lot of businesses going on. They are related in a lot of ways. Um, one feeds the other. So, you know, we can talk about any aspects of that. You had mentioned um, maybe some of the listeners. Uh, have businesses obviously or want to start a business or or want to make change in their business um, i was telling you earlier when we were talking that when i came out of physical therapy school i worked for uh, a woman a physical therapist that owned a clinic and had been driving in boulder uh, but the situation really wasn't my own um, a lot of what i've been talking with my dad about really uh, lately is about control having a business and being in situations where you have control over your own destiny. When I first start working for uh, this nice woman that had this practice, I didn't have any control over my own destiny. And my dad, I think, encourages therapists to really take chances, but in a structured way, um, because ultimately by having a business and having your practice, um, it gives you a lot more control. So when I started my practice, I was telling you, I started it with $2,800. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about 1993. Things were different. So, sure. But it's fearful, right? There's a lot of unknown. Um, but you never know until you just take that chance and have faith in yourself, have confidence in yourself, have confidence in letting go, like I just mentioned, too. Um, and, you know, we can talk about lots of those different parts. You know, one of my businesses is the directory, and we might want to talk about that as well. So, um, so we'll get into that. Um, what I love about hearing uh, your early part of your journey is that you worked for a physical therapist. You know, I, I guess I would have assumed that you would have just worked for your dad kind of thing. And you recognize that working for this woman, though she was, you know, I'm sure a very nice lady. Um, it wasn't your path. And I think that's something that I'm only learning now where I am on a path, but that doesn't mean that it's my path. And it's your path when one, you don't feel stuck. You know, I think when you talk about working for somebody else, you didn't have control of your own destiny. And I, I know when I was working for somebody else, 
I felt stuck. I felt overworked, underpaid, and I just knew like I could not do this for the next 40 years of my life. So I had to figure out a different way. And I had to believe that that could be possible. But there's a lot of fear that you have to lean into. And that's all part of it. And so can you talk us through the part, the process of leaving this job, uh, maybe taking some guidance from your dad and leaning into the fear to start your own thing? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So my dad has always been um, the, like a, a big support. And a big part of that support is, um, like you said, leaning into the fear. Um, and uh, you know, taking chances and believing in yourself, and that's what I did. I also knew that the way that I was approaching my practice, meaning how I treat patients, how I view the patient, the body, how it gets, how it's broken, how you fix it, all that stuff, was very different than everyone else, right? I knew that. I knew that in physical therapy school. I knew that from working with my dad prior to that. Um, so I did have that going into it, and I leveraged that uh, in building the practice. So, you know, there were a lot of unknowns. You know, you go from one new patient, a referral from a friend or family of someone you knew, and then they tell somebody, and one week turns into a couple months and turns into your first year, and lo and behold, you have a full practice or one that's growing. My belief always has been based on experience that we build our practices of helping people by doing good work and building relationships. And that speaks for itself. And that when we do MFR and we do all the other stuff combined with you know things we're interested in and things we're good at, happy patients sends, send friends and family. You're building a community of patients. And that's what propelled my practice was doing first and foremost just really good work and helping. I think that is the heart of it all. I think in business, a lot of times we can get distracted by the numbers. Now, obviously, you do need to make enough money. You know, you have bills to pay, rent, mortgages, this, that, and the other. But it's to remember that it's for helping the person that has trusted you with their health. That is a very vulnerable place to be in. And for someone to reach out to help for help and choose you as their provider, I personally do not take that lightly. I take that with my full being because I want them to recover from their pains and their injuries and uh, live a fulfilled life that they love. Now, a lot of times in business, because you have to look at the numbers and there's KPIs and there's this, that, and the other, I will say that it's very important that you don't ever forget that you are helping somebody. You know, I think sometimes, especially in this social media era, it's like, oh, how many views can I get? How many likes can I get? And people will get discouraged when it's like, I only got five likes or there were only 10 people who watched it. But if you really thought about it and you looked at those people, you would recognize that is a life, that is a human being. And I had gotten to a place in my business where I was feeling dejected. I was feeling um, like low energy. It was tough for me to move around because I was so focused on the numbers. And something that I just learned recently is do not sell out to the numbers. You know, 
remember that we're in a place of service and you should not fall into the selfie culture. Make sure you fall into the service culture. And by doing so, you're going to be able to help those individuals, like you said, who after having a positive experience will share the news. But if you're just there, but you're not listening to them and they don't feel like they're understood, then oftentimes it's just like a in, in, in the door, out the door. And there's not that relationship you talk about being built. Now, um, I thought it was great that you said that you built a business just starting with 2,800 bucks. And obviously this is 1993. Uh, money was a definitely different value. Now, uh, you know, for some people, that's going to seem like a lot. But in the business world, I would say that's not much to start a business. Um, did you feel like this was like you only had one shot or or what were some of the beliefs that you had around that? Uh, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, so looking at the the dollar amount, I had done some very quick math uh, and knew that for what we were getting paid, um, I could make as much money, if not more, seeing a fourth of the patients that I was seeing for someone else that I was working for, back to your comments on, you know, underpaid and overworked type thing. Um, Another area that I think is important is who you surround yourself with. I had fortunately found a part-time accountant practice manager named Tanya that really was able to set things up and help me uh, on a part-time basis kind of get everything set up and structured. And she was able to do things that I just, you know, were not my attitude at that point, right? So that's an important part of it when you embark on a business is to make sure that you have at least guidance and support in areas that you may not be too savvy in, whether it's finance or whatever, or regulations or that type of thing. Um, at the time, I just knew that I could do better and that I was willing to take that chance, even in a... And, Believe me, it's, it was a small environment. I just looked into my kitchen. You know, it was as small as my kitchen here, my practice. So, but it, it did grow. Um, yeah, I don't know if I really thought so much about it. I acted on um, a desire to, to to be my own person and professional and have control over that. I love that. I think... What I heard in that is instead of thinking of a channel five thought of how, you know, those things, it was an internal desire that you had, which I would believe is channel three. And for those who are new to myofascial release, we're talking about channel five and channel three. And in a nutshell, I would say channel five is what John calls being like your left brain. It's very linear. It's very logical, uh, impulsive at times. And that's what tends to be where fear comes from. Whereas channel three is more like your right side of your brain. It's creative, it's intuitive, and that's where love is thought to be. And so I think in business, it's easy, uh, I'm talking from personal experience, to fall into the channel five mindset. Um, can I ask you, uh, what ways were you able to view business from a channel three lens? I, when, you know, listening to you talk, it was just, what can I envision? What do I envision for myself in the future? Uh, a lot of times, 
going through the exercise of envisioning what it would be like in a month, in a half a year, a year, let's say, how am I going? What's it going to look like? Almost like a movie. And what's it going to feel like? And those two things, I think, are some components of create, being a creative person and really creating reality ahead of time. Uh, and I will say that throughout my life and my career, when I have done that, um, it has turned out even better than I had envisioned, right? When I was in the Channel 5 and I was full of fear and I was, you know, that wheel going around in your head, time goes by and you're still in the same stuck position. So we have to change, I believe, and when I've done it, when I say, well, doing the same thing over and over again and it's not working, hold on a second. Let's do something different, right? Let's, let's use these other skills that I have inherently. Um, that's when things work out even better than I thought. That's amazing that you're able to use kind of your envisioning of the future, you know? Um, that is something that John teaches. You know, visualization is very important. It's a channel three component. Um, now I do have to ask when you were saying you started, you said you hired Tanya. Now I am in a place in my business where I feel like I should hire somebody, uh, but there's some fear around that. How do you go about finding the right person? Yeah. I mean, I found again, some of the right people have just dropped in my lap. You know, you talk to someone and they said, Oh, that's how it works. I was talking to a friend of mine and his wife was an accountant and said, oh, my friend Tanya was looking for additional work. She's highly organized, very friendly and very personable. And we met and she said, you know, I can help you with just a couple things. What I found too, my dad and I were just talking about this, um, that sometimes it's better to start uh, on a project basis. So you learn how to work with someone. Is this really going to work? So instead of hiring someone to handle all of this stuff, maybe just start to get to know them a little bit and work on something with them. And then you know how you're going to communicate, how you're going to get along. Do you like them? Do you not like them? Um, is your style different? That type of thing. So I started out with Tanya. Hey, could you help me with just setting up the, it wasn't QuickBooks at the time. It was like a PT thing. Hey, could you help me, you know, organize my schedule? And I learned very quickly what, and um, that it worked out really well. Um, I have that now with a woman named Jessica that is managing the directory. Um, my, you know, CXO from um, the telehealth company knew Jessica. She needed some extra work. Now she's just taking over everything. But it happened, and let's do this first. Now let's add this. And now. A superstar job. So maybe just start slowly and get to know someone before you give them, you know, hand over the whole banana to them. All right. I, I'll be honest. There's a Channel 5 version of myself that doesn't like that answer of like, the right person <laughs> will find you. But I think what I can learn well, from your experience is that when you're on the right path, the path will unfold for you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so you can take a, I mean, you can take a very structured approach, which says, Hey, I'm going to go on into Indeed and I'm going to post a very specific 
uh, profile of job description and responsibilities and what that role is. And you will find a, a lot of applicants and you can work and tease through them and then interview them too. We do that with our businesses. You know, we, we have 17 people under payroll right now and, um, you know, we found them through organizations like that too. I guess it's just don't have the fear of hiring. I think for me, it's something new and I haven't done. So there's like a lot of, am I going to yeah. be good at managing somebody? How am I going to direct? How are we going to communicate? But I think you just got to start small. I think when you like just start as a project, can you do this project? Okay, this works well together. Uh, let's take that next step. And okay, I'll, I'll take that to heart. Now you mentioned yeah. Jessica started with the directory. And part of the reason I did want to interview you was because um, you and John had both posted about um, artificial intelligence being introduced to the directory and how that's going to help uh, myofascial release therapists who are on the directory um, be found. Can you uh, elaborate more on the AI aspects that you're working on? Yeah, sure. Um, the first part of that was that um, we were investigating kind of what is the state of MFR out there today? And we asked um, ChatGPT3, uh, who is the leader in myofascial release and this and that, and it produced this, you know, five paragraphs of what is myofascial release? How does it work? Who are the leaders? John Barnes was peppered throughout. And uh, it was just a really, it was, not like we need any verification, but it was really, you know, it was a proud moment to know that even the artificial intelligence knows that this visionary, John Barnes, has, you know, is it. He's the guy. He's the guy that did it, right? And uh, ultimately, when I think about it, he's the guy that had the guts to do something different under lots of pressure, a lot of scrutiny, a lot of criticism. You know, bucking the, the whole traditional way of thinking and doing things. And lo and behold, we have a, a subset of providers. Uh, when we went online too and asked a question in LinkedIn, is we were combining all these efforts because of the director. I'll go back to your question, but there's a reason why we did all of this was the directory is ultimately a legion engine and we're the intermediary. You have patients that are hearing more and more and more myofascial release. You've got to do myofascial release. My sister had it in Iowa. I live in California. I need to find someone. You have a provider that lives in California and our practices kind of live and die on patient volume. So we went to LinkedIn and did a query uh, and there are almost 400,000 providers of all types that as a part of their uh, profile do say they do myofascial release. That's a big number. It's a really big number. So back to the AI, um, we use it in different parts of our business now. Uh, on the telehealth side of the business, which is a very big topic, um, we use it to be able to query a database about a patient that one of our health coaches has seen um, to send an outreach. But the query, the query is 
taking some personal information because doing an outreach when you're using telehealth is really meant to get them engaged, right? So when you do it in a personalized manner, hey, Jim, you know, I understand that you, know, you have a tennis match coming up in a couple of weeks. You're worried about your shoulder. I've reorganized your therapeutic plan in preparation for that. Please log in here, right? So we're using it to create personalized engagement. It's on our back end, not the front end. GPT does not interact with our patients right now, but we're using it to be able to personalize these interactions. And we found that when we've done that, when we've done that, the, the level of engagement that we were getting is really good in, in that, according to standards, we were able to bump that even more. Um, so that's one way that we use it. The other way that we use it in Miller Gardens, the directory, is that because we're a lead gen engine, um, by the way, we're going live with a whole new website and app uh, first week of July. So oh, right let's go. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, is that we want to be able to, again, personalize the experience on both ends. So you have someone in zip code 80304. Well, the system knows that now. And the system is going to draw from our database of providers that says, oh, I, you're in 80304. Well, let's more quickly get you to someone that you're looking for and ask a couple questions. You know, what are you interested? What's going on? And then be able to present to that patient looking for MFR a more personalized, more specific uh, referral into the database. Um, and that's that all is... in the work, but there's a lot of smarts underneath that's being built around that, kind of under the umbrella of digital marketing, right? Because that's really SEO and digital marketing. Um, so it's, it's nascent. I'd say, um, but yeah, we are building those types of capabilities in the back. That really is awesome, awesome to hear. But we wow. <laughs> started with, hey, ChatGPT3, right? Explain MFR, you know, and who are the experts? And lo and behold, the big guy came up. That's that's amazing. Shout out to the big guy, John Barnes, the uh, father of myofascial release, you might say. <laughs> Um, I will say that I think AI is coming, right? So there's a lot of people who maybe have a fear around technology. Obviously, you would like to speak to a person if you can. But I think more than that, or as equal to that, it's people just don't want to be alone in their time of need. And so when you build out a uh, AI device that can have a conversation and guide them into the direction that they need, that will start that conversation. And then in addition to that, something that you said was the directory is great for lead generation. And I think that is, um, especially if you're new to business or you're just thinking about starting a business, that is a pivotal piece that um, you don't really think about. You know, when I was starting, I just knew, hey, I feel like I'm a good enough physical therapist. I know how to help people. And uh, I would say one of the bigger mistakes that tends to happen is we get stuck in this mindset of, oh, I need to get this certification or I need to do this course. And it's that is for you as a person or as your as a physical therapist, but that's not the business side. And so where the directory fits in is with any business, you need to be able to market, which then gets you the lead generation, which is the directory. 
And then you need to be able to make the sale and then do your fulfillment, which is uh, performing the myofascial release or physical therapy. And that's awesome that the directory has so many people um, who say that they do myofascial release. And now there's going to be a new website and app developed to help kind of personalize this experience. Now, uh, I do have to give a, uh, a shameless plug here. Part of what I do is I help myofascial release therapists build their own websites so that they can have marketing a little bit on autopilot. Um, and so I think that goes hand in hand with the directory. I have tried to use the directory. I've even reached out to some therapists. Uh, and I find that if there's not a website, it's tough to get to know them. Yeah. And so uh, do you have anything to speak about, like, what would a therapist need in place to really take advantage of being on the directory? Yeah, I well, I agree with you. And one of the things that Jessica has done and, you know, uh, individuals that are maybe listening that are on the directory, they may have gotten an outreach from Jessica because um, my goal has always been to help people be their best in terms of getting um, patients and leads and representing themselves as best they can on the directory. So we did an exercise where, and we're, we have eight states to go <laughs> um, as of this morning. So we went through all of the different states and Jessica went through and identified individuals, looked at their bios, their profile, their pictures, do they have a website or not? That type of thing. And we did an outreach and said, hey, so-and-so, you know, we want you to have the best performance possible. Have you noticed that your image is blurry? If you send us a high-res image, we'd be happy to upload it for you, right? So we did that. We got a huge response from that. And it's really just really good customer service to be able to do that. We found that uh, how a provider, therapist, represents himself is really important. And a website allows someone to go just a little bit deeper. We have the profile that you'll see coming out in July will look very different than the profile we have today for each individual provider or a clinic. Um, but at the same time, to be able to click through and have a modal pop up or a new tab pop up and go, okay, let me really look at who, how they represent them, what they do, what's their experience, what's the clinic look like, where are they located, is really powerful. People are driven visually, right? And to have a website that is clean and crisp, I think goes a long, long way. Awesome. Uh, and so I personally am not on the directory yet. Now, um, it is definitely, I feel like things are in alignment. I will likely join here, uh, especially hearing about all the updates and things like that. Um, now, I do want to mention to any listeners what to expect, because I think sometimes we learn myofascial release, we get the bug, we believe in the work, and then we believe, okay, we're ready to uh, make, a, make money and uh, a lifestyle that revolves around it. And, you know, I think some people are like, I'm on the directory. It hasn't worked that well for me. And I think it's having the right expectation, right? And so um, it's funny. I have this sheet. and It's the MFR directory. And it says, okay, if you have one single listing, it's uh, 349, right? And so we're going to talk about the investment, right? So that is 349. And for me, that would only take one or two visits. So do I think that the directory would get me one or two patients? I do. Now, 
it would be a smart investment if it gave me a return on my money. So if this 350 bucks that I spent got me 700, then that would be a great investment. Now, am I going to live off of $700? No, but that's just a temper your expectation because it's all about getting the start, right? And as you build that customer base or your client base that we talked about in the beginning, that is what ultimately will help you grow your business. Uh, is there anything that you can share about in terms of what to expect and how to use it? Sure. So, I mean, the ROI, the return on investment is the biggest driver uh, for the directory. We have 1,095 providers on the directory and growing every day. Now, for $349, uh, we calculate that one new patient uh, equals $750, uh, some pretty conservative numbers, number of visits and what you charge per visit. But, you know, it's a bullseye. So you get that one new patient, they have a great experience, they send friend or family. That's how, like you just said, build your patient community. The, the updates that are happening, um, we can talk about that as well. The main thing is uh, how people search how those search results are presented. Um, the MFR directory and my dad's website are SEO'd so well that we occupy most of the first page on any searches. So anyone looking for myofascial release, they're gonna be exposed to the directory. Um, there are 40 to 60,000 searches a month for myofascial release treatment. So that's a lot. Uh, we had over a million unique visitors to our site in 2022, and we estimate that we drove $6.2 million of new revenue to our subscribers, which is about $11,000 of new revenue across the board. That said, some our churn rate, which means that people come on and then drop off, uh, is 1.3%, right? And we don't do any marketing, really, for the directory, except for that piece of paper that you just pulled up. So uh, it's, it, you know, people love it. it. It's really helpful for them. It's a way to build a practice, build a business, build awareness. Um, now, so some of the changes, the directory, and here's some technical jargon, but I'll make it simple. The directory was built almost 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, we updated the technology maybe 10 years ago. The new directory, the application, the software, and the website are built on the latest and greatest out there today because of my software company. We're basically stamping out an instance of this software, and now the directory will have will sit on top of all of that. One of the biggest changes, we've gotten a lot, a lot of feedback, which is justified, is that the, the directory as it is today isn't very isn't wasn't built to be mobile friendly. When it was built, we weren't all on our phones. <laughs> really, right. the latest technology that sits on um, is mobile optimized. It's built so you can pick up your phone and scroll through and easily navigate. What do you want? How you know? How are you going to get it? What are you seeing? Pushing buttons. One step instead of five, one step instead of three, those and that's the smarts 
underneath all of that. So the, one of the bigger changes that we see happening in the effect is now that we're mobile friendly, 76% of people that are going on their phone to either consume services, set up services, make appointments, buy things are on their phone. So if you think about it, really round number, 76% of people that are on their phone looking for an MFR therapist are not having a good experience. So that alone, we think, is going to drive more volume into the app and more volume into our subscribers. That's awesome. And I think you talk about the user experience, right? Um, I know today, just like you said, most of the people on the internet are viewing it through their phones, which a lot of websites or other older um, kind of internet technologies are not designed for. And so if that is a, a pro tip, you can see that the directory is already shifting in that direction. Make sure that your website is also mobile friendly. Um, I also heard that the directory is going to be adding an equine therapy section. Is that true? Who'd you hear that from? From Tamara Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's side note parentheses. Tamara is awesome. Uh, what she's done with the whole equine part of the practice has been phenomenal. She does an amazing job. Um, people love it. And, you know, just a plug for her that doing learning and being with, let's just say being with an equine and doing myofascial release, making that connection, putting your hands on, it is an amazing experience. Uh, I talked to you originally about uh, one of my businesses was developing, thanks to my dad, the equine MFR practice and courses. Um, it's it's really worth it. If you can translate all of that energy and experience into then with your uh, the human creature. <laughs> so you know it's a, a plug for Tamara because she is she's just a superstar. And by the way, she was injured recently uh horse he was in competition horse fell on top of her uh, everyone i think knows that from facebook and uh you know wishing her well so yeah you know the directory is expanding so for instance you know if you are an mfr therapist and you have other specialties that will be highlighted in our search filters where we'll incorporate that so um we will in the fall uh, introduce the equine filter uh, and promote that, SEO that, uh, and spend time uh, highlighting that so equine MFR therapists can get leads and equine patients uh, from the directory. That's amazing. And shout out Tamara Thomas. We're all sending you love and healing energy. Uh, you're doing great. Um, so something you had also mentioned before we started was uh, you, had, you had been with John uh, when he first started treating horses. You know, I think there's a chapter in his book called Kahuna where he talks about um, coming across a guy who who bought horses based on their astrological chart and he talks about <laughs> going with the team. And it sounds like you were part of that team that got to go. Can you share a story or what your experience was when you went out there? Yeah, sure. Um, early in the morning in New Jersey, met my dad, we drove up together. Um, it was so early. We went to a diner early on and just had a nice chat and went over to the barn. Uh, 
the story as I remember it uh, had a lot to do with my own experiences too. So uh, when we got there, um, his friend and professional colleague um, was named Bruce. Bruce bought the horses based on astro astrological sign. Uh, and he had bought this horse that was dead lame named Luke Skywalker. And he first thing we did was watch the horse go around the track. And even you know, me and my dad, who really didn't have a lot of experience with horses, could recognize, oh, that thing's hurting pretty good. Uh, they brought him back to the barn. And I knew my dad was just kind of dabbling in that. And he was... Well, he tells the story like he didn't know anything about horses. Bruce begged him to come up and help this horse. Um, and so it was impressive that my dad just took the principles of MFR and just applied it to this other creature, right? And, um, and that's what he started to do. And you watched him start to melt with this horse and the horse soften and all of that. And then my dad called me over and said, okay, what I want you to do is um, grab bridle, put your hair, help him here. He has a rotation. He put his hands up there and said he has a rotation here. Um, and I put my elbow into the horse's neck and I immediately had this sensation that I'd had before in other experiences where my whole body started to vibrate. And then I started to go into this almost dream state. And in this dream state, I was running really hard. And I was like, oh, I'm running really hard. And I looked over and the horse was running next to me. And I thought, well, that's, wow. Like, and then everything was this, like I was this milky white world. And we were running and the horse was talking to me and I was talking to the horse. Um, and then this pop came out of the horse's neck. And as soon as that happened, my dad said, are you done? And it was almost as if everyone had gone away. And I realized, oh, I'm standing here in a barn with a horse next to me. And my dad looking at me like, are you done? Like, let's wrap this. Keep moving here, buddy. Um, and I had had this crazy experience with the horse. And my dad went back and treated the horse even more. And then we watched the horse go around the track. And I would, we were all amazed. Bruce was beside himself. The horse wasn't lame, running like a madman. And that horse became the winning, winningest uh, uh, trotter in trotter history named Luke Skywalker. And, uh, that was the start for me of thinking, wow, this is, well, one, my dad's even cooler than I thought because he didn't know anything about horses. And now, you know, I was very interested in, in that whole scene. So that was pretty cool. And then did that uh, inspire you to create the equine course or how did that come to be? You know, it was concurrent with um, uh being married to Shannon and equestrian, and we took all of that back. Uh, and you know, between me and my dad, and a lot of hard work, we developed an equine MFR coursework, and it allowed me to get very connected with uh, Shannon and what her, you know, her goals and life were, and it was really positive for everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. I've taken equine with Tamara, who we mentioned earlier. 
I definitely recommend it. Um, there is something about working with those majestic animals where you have to really be centered, present, intentional with what you're doing, which oftentimes as humans, you know, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and say, hey, you're doing this wrong, but a horse uh, will let you know. And it's very cool for you to have shared your, I guess, the channel three, almost telepathic state or dreamlike state. Uh, Tamara shared her interview with uh, with me and, uh, and spoke about a similar experience. And um, I'll say that I have not yet had anything like that. But I think the further and deeper I go into channel three, those opportunities will arise when the time is right. Now, before we wrap up this podcast episode, is there anything that you would like to share, whether that be from your personal life, uh, you know, being the son of John, um, equine, anything, anything that you would like to share to close up the podcast? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, sure. Uh, more recently, I think everyone knows that my dad has been pretty sick. Um, and I have been blown away how strong uh how strong he is uh, he has recovered uh all by his inner strength his inner wisdom the support of others of course um and it's just really impressive uh how i believe he is able to uh channel his own energy channel the energy of people around him the support the love of people around him his environment uh, living in Sedona, he and I just had have had a number of conversations recently. Um, I recently uh, visited him with my girlfriend Paloma. We had the opportunity for four days to sit on his porch and just spend an amazing, wonderful time with him, chatting about all sorts of things. I think you guys might have seen some pictures on Insight, but what we remarked on was sitting there, the, the palpable energy of Sedona is incredible. His ability, I think, to channel energy around healing for himself uh, is, is so obvious to me. I watched from a point where he was very, very sick to where he is today, and uh, I give him all the credit. I mean, he is just a, he's something different, <laughs> that's for sure. But so, you know, uh, love him dearly. He's been a great inspiration for me in my life, a huge support for me in my life, my career, and things like that. And, uh, you know, I'm just very grateful to have him. That's that's for sure. I think we can all agree that when we get to see John, there's something special about him. I know for me personally, I'm yeah, at a part in my journey where I, I only take courses that John teaches. Uh, and some people are like, oh, you should try the DVD course. You do that. I'm like, yeah, while he's here, I'm, I'm taking all the John energy. There's something special that happens when he teaches a seminar. And I get super deep insights um, that are seemingly insignificant. And so uh, with that, I just want to say thank you again, Mark, for joining this podcast. Um, I know that you're a busy man and to reschedule. I was once at a part in my career where I thought, you know, time is money and my time is worth this much and it's got to be this much. And, you know, even though it's just a simple thing of you rescheduling, I will always appreciate the moment that you took the time out of your busy schedule to do this podcast. So thank you so much for joining this pod. Uh, you're very welcome. It was, a, it was a pleasure to share different things with you. Always open if you want to do a part two for other things, but 
I appreciate the time you've taken to ask interesting questions that kind of, you know, things I haven't thought about in a while. <laughs> so uh, it's a, it was a pleasure and thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Myofascial Health. I help myofascial release therapists create beautiful websites for their MFR practices, even if they aren't tech savvy. If you're just starting your MFR practice or you're an experienced MFR practice owner, learn more about how I can help at www.myofascial.health/website.